Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the For the Win podcast. I am your host, Hamil Javeri. Um, it is Friday, and today my guest is our Tuesday host and editor, Luke Cardenine. Luke, what's up? Not too much. What's up, Hamil? Thanks for having me on the podcast. Have you and I ever done a podcast together? I don't think we have. I've heard you dog on me to, to Ted. So <laughs> of I'm course. looking forward to returning the favor um, this time around. Of course, of course. That was our favorite pastime was, was messing with Luke on the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, so, Luke, you're actually kind of going through some dietary changes. This is this. I should say, first of all, that this podcast is inspired by conversations that Luke and I have had in our, our work slack about uh, a documentary that Luke watched. Uh, uh, Luke, do you want to talk about your recent uh, segue to veganism? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so, um, yeah, so I watched this documentary called mm-hmm. What the Hell? And um, as I've read, uh, some of it is very much overstated, but the mm-hmm. premise is something that I'm sure we'll get to, and it's something that I've read increasingly about. Um, it, the, the premise is simple. It's that humans eat too much meat. Right. Um, uh, the idea being that it's not only is it horrible for the environment, and not only is it sort of full of all kinds of stuff um you know there's all kinds of chemicals pumped into mm-hmm. making cows essentially mass producing cows and things for slaughter which is very unseemly to say the least but um it just you know humans didn't evolve to eat as much meat mm-hmm. as they currently are um it's it's something that i had yeah i had long sort of suspected that mm-hmm. humans probably eat too much animal protein and too much sugar mm-hmm. and so look i don't want to overstate it like i haven't gone full vegan <laughs> uh, yet but like I've just made a conscious effort to eat meat no more than like once or twice a week. And one of those nights is fish. And and I must say, I've been feeling a lot better. And just us, you know, obviously, you know far more about this than I do. But just looking into it more, it's interesting to see how it relates to athletes, where it's sort of becoming a growing trend, I think. Yeah, it is. It's interesting because it is, I think, becoming a growing trend among athletes to switch to either vegetarianism or veganism or a plant-based diet. So uh, one of the interesting things is that I think people feel like you have to go extreme, right? Like you have to like give up all meat or or everything. Like you've got to have the Tom Brady approach to it, but it's really not like that. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it is too. And I think it's almost um, if you actually want something like a what we're essentially talking about right is like a bit of a lifestyle or it's behavioral change which is the hardest to make um and i think the way to do that successfully um some people can just go cold turkey and that's really (laughs) really good for them like i i i i I applaud their willpower but i think actually just sort of adopting it bit by bit um is probably the sustainable way to to go um because you know when you start with a few baby steps then you just build upon it um, you know, it's a lot easier than having to sort of train to run a marathon tomorrow when, yeah. you're, when you're sort of training bit by bit. So uh, for, for you guys at home, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I'm a strict vegetarian. I've been one since uh, I was a little kid. I, we grew up that way. So it's not a huge lifestyle change for me, but I can see how if you grew up eating meat and Luke, you're English, right? So it seems like you had a very meat intense diet. Um, lots of bo- lots of boiled meat in my past. <laughs> I I th- I'm curious. Um, how long has this been? So you watched what the health? What about a month ago? Two months ago? Yeah, it's been about a month now. Um, yeah, and I must say, so like before this, mm-hmm. I always, you know, I was never like a big red meat eater. I think by 
by sort of average standards. I ate a lot of chicken. Mm -hmm. But you asked me right as I was like, no more meat for me for a while. Um, (laughs) How much meat do you eat? And I would say I probably ate about, you know, what? I bet the average was like 1.3 like types of meat a day, right? Because invariably what would you have when you sort of build it into your mindset that you're going to have meat with every meal Mm -hmm. or with every dinner, um, you know, usually it's chicken, but then you get bored of chicken. So you end up going with pork or red meat or something. And, um, and occasionally you'll go out for lunch and you'll get a sandwich and man, you just start to realize that there's meat in everything. Like (laughs) it's just everywhere. You're constantly surrounded by it. And it's actually kind of tricky, uh, when you're suddenly trying to dial it back. I know. And and we talked about this and I was like, yeah, it meat is everywhere. And it's funny that we actually don't notice it until you're hyper aware of how much you're, you're actually eating. Um, this is weird because people talk about being mindful with your food, right? Like paying attention to where your food comes from and what you're eating. But very few people, I think, take that, um, into consideration when they're thinking about meat, like where does not even just, where does that meat come from, but how much of it that they're actually eating? Yeah, because you just and, and like and even if you broaden the tent too, because obviously there's vegetarianism and then there's sort of veganism. Mm-hmm. Whereas even if you take out, like I'm still eating cheese and stuff. I guess right. is what I'm saying. Um, and, I, and again, I think this is part of the long term process here. You know, I don't feel half as guilty eating cheese as I do meat. Oh, but I'm like, I'm never giving up cheese. Like I can never go full full vegan. And that's but and that's the thing. Like if you're saying okay, I'm going to dial back the amount of meat I have. That makes things like quite challenging. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say. Um, man, if if you were to give up cheese too, from a just a like a from a pain in the ass perspective, <laughs> it's pretty high on the it scale. is. Yeah. So one of the things that's interesting, I always assumed that athletes, you know, were very much like meat equals protein. Um, and I had an interesting conversation several several months ago probably about a year ago at this point with a retired NHL player Andrew Ferentz who if you you know if you know about NHL players you have to be pretty physically fit to to skate and you have to have bulk right and he just made a great point about how it wasn't so much about giving stuff up as like substituting different things. And that's what was important for athletes was that if you're going to make that transition, you had to make sure that everything that you were getting from the meat was being replaced with, um, with different elements. So like, and he, you know, he just said that even while he was playing, what he did was take meat way, way down in his diet. He didn't totally give it up because like you said, it was about a lifestyle change versus up just giving something up cold turkey. Um, but that he's that the effects of people eating less meat, like even if you start eating it, if you start eating it three times a week versus eight times a week, uh, it has a huge benefit on your body and on the environment. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And we'll get to the environmental thing in a, in a bit but I, I on that point it is interesting too because like it, it, you know it's humans do need protein you right. know like yes humans aren't cats you know who <laughs> literally just need straight like animal meat all the time but um also not you know what uh, we're, we're not purely uh, like a like a cow or something you yeah. know if you're living off grain and grass like we do need but i think that logic which is very true has like led people to this to this uh, sort of de facto conclusion that like our oh, protein equals good yeah more of it the better which is absolutely an overcorrection to the problem and like you said if you cut out meat from the diet yes you're going to have to make sure to figure out where you're going to get some of that protein back um in, in other forms where you're going to get it from 
Um, but yeah, it, I think the de facto setting at the moment is that people just eat far too much meat on a sort of regular basis. What are some of the substitutions and, and things that you've had to make? So, as I said, I'm still eating cheese. I'm doing a lot. So, I, I, I enjoy cooking, and mm-hmm. so we do a, lo- a lot of cooking. But we're look, we do a lot more. Um, we're trying to get, like, a bit more creative. I guess we're eating more sort of pasta things. We, we've, in, we've incorporated some tofu things into our dishes. But really, it's more about, like, I'm not, you know, we're just, uh, we, I'm eating more fish. So, mm-hmm. of the two of the two. Of the two like meat things we have a week, one of them is always like a kind of a white fish, and the other is chicken or something. But outside of that, we're just trying to keep it, you know, like you know, pesto with some kind of vegetables or like um, quinoa, mm-hmm. you know, so, some sort of quinoa bake with a with like a bit of sneaky bit of cheese in there or something. <laughs> and um, and yeah, just I, I found we've grabbed it's more towards in terms of. It, outside of uh, sort of substituting me because i don't think we're eating such few animal protein still that we're that we need to think about like supplementing it right. but we've just found that we've uh, been gravitating more towards certain cuisines you know like uh we've been like more sort of um asian cuisines uh, a lot more indian food we you know we're cooking because they just have a plethora of sort of vegetarian like a, a as i would of, know yes <laughs> yeah there's yeah. a lot of vegetarian recipes um and yeah, which is great because I love Indian food. That's um, true. There's a lot of chickpeas and lentils in Indian food. Oh, yeah, which are awesome. You know, like a lentil curry is just fantastic. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so we, we, we've definitely noticed that, that like less, um, I mean, we never used to make hamburgers, but like less, I guess, like straight Italian food and mm-hmm. more kind of like, um, yeah, Indian and sort of Japanese sort of food um, have been the two have been the two winners. That's crazy. And you feel better. Feel much better. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I ate like a steak thing the other day, like a week and a half ago, and I almost felt like hungover the next day. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, and it made me think, like, um, like we you already touched upon, like there's a bunch of athletes who have been incorporating sort of vegan or veg- vegetarian leaning diets into their lifestyle, and you can totally see why after doing it for a little bit, right? Yeah. Like. Suddenly, like, I couldn't imagine if I was a professional athlete and hyper aware to everything that was going on in my body at that mm-hmm. certain point and having, like, a big stake and then having to go, you know, play, like, 90-minute soccer game or something. Like, I don't know how they could do it. And and the answer is that, you know, that a lot of people don't because they just simply – their body can't handle that much no. sitting in their stomach. And so um... – Tom Brady, right, is the example, everybody's go-to example for the guy who seems to talk the most about his very regimented diet. But there are a lot of athletes who are very strict about what they eat. Um, It's funny, in the hockey world, there's Jonathan Taves, who he's definitely not Tom Brady-esque, but he does have a reputation for being the guy on the team that, you know, makes everybody watch what they eat. Um, But the funny thing to me is that have in between, like, especially during the NHL playoffs, right, when there's um, overtime periods and these games can stretch on for for a lot longer, the stuff that the guys eat between the games is just absolute junk. It's just like pizzas and candy and, and any kind of calories that they can get in their bodies. It's yeah. It seems it, so counterproductive, but I think at that point you just need calories. It's funny too, yeah, because you know you're going to burn it off. And I know yeah. that 
Like, I know there are some American football players who will just, like, load up on caffeine and sugar immediately before games, mm-hmm. knowing they'll just burn it off, but also because they want that spike, right. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. Then you get so amped up. Um, it is funny, though. It reminded me of a, a golfer or something. You know, golfers are not big. Well, I guess they're getting more They're getting more healthy. The, the John Daly golfing. But the John Daly's of the world who literally just downs, like, chicken wings at any, oh. <laughs> any given oh, Who, point. like, smokes on the course. I mean. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Goes for it. That's um, incredible. But it, I think in some sports, and golf is an example of this, where you want muscle, mm-hmm. but like, ma- but any kind of mass sort of helps, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you have more mass on you, you have more leverage to drive into the golf ball, which right. means you have more leverage, which means more speed, which means you're going to hit it further. So, um, a bit like you know, a bit like an offensive lineman in football. Like, yes, you want to be ideally, you know, 380 pounds of lean muscle, but if you're 380 pounds and 280 of it is is sort of muscle and the other hundred is is fat that's fine because that's still you know it's 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 hard for the other person to push past 380 right. pounds regardless of what kind of poundage it is um so so i guess that's maybe the counter argument right like that's why some people probably don't do it but i think when you're looking at these agility speed uh and endurance sport heavy sports um that, that's when you're going to start seeing this playing a greater and greater role yeah especially as uh these athletes age you had a really interesting story uh about how um veganism or vegetarianism is actually catching on among soccer players yeah it's actually becoming an increasingly um in- increasing thing so one of the big stories recently is uh, this guy jermaine defoe mm-hmm. uh soccer fans will know him he's sort of this um you know his thing is he wasn't ever regarded as particularly fast or athletic, but he was like sort of a poacher, almost like a Wayne Gretzky type, very mm-hmm. intelligent and like a, just a goal scorer. Um, but he's 35 and he's still going. And athletically, he almost looks like better than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's capped by, he's been playing for England recently. He's um, playing for Bournemouth right now. And he credits this to um, to, to, to a essentially a vegan diet that he's uh, adopted um i've got a quote here which i can read oh yeah um he he says you know my mom would always keep on me about making sacrifices she'd say if you want to be a professional footballer um like you've been telling me since you were two years old you have to do everything right that's in me now i don't touch alcohol because sometimes in a restaurant but sometimes in a restaurant i might fancy a chocolate brownie or something and though probably wouldn't even do much harm um i'm always talking myself out of it i'm trying to stick to almost exclusively vegan food but it's a bit of a problem because i love fish um and as i was <laughs> and as i was saying if your standard is you know oh i'm gonna cheat and have a have a bit of fish yeah. I, think I think you're doing okay on the scale <laughs> yeah he he's not he's not talking about sneaking out for a hamburger or anything at some point he's like oh maybe i'll cheat with a little bit of fish <laughs> absolutely and and then um and then relating to this um there's this actually this club just got promoted to league two and in, in uh in in sort of the football league system, which I won't go into, it's called Forest Green Rovers. The owner, um, the owner of it, uh, he runs a sort of green energy firm called Ectrosicity. I'm mm-hmm. pronouncing it right, I believe. Anyway, um, they run a bunch of windmill farms in England, and he is a vegan. Um, he's an outspoken vegan, and he has made. He said um, 
he said this is going to be the first eco-friendly soccer team. Um, so every player who signs for them is required to be a vegan. They, 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 it's That's part, intense. That is in their contract. Um, and they go for, you know, everything in the stadium is vegan. They don't sell um, they don't sell meat products. It's all vegan-based. They actually, like, treat the pitch with, like, cow manure and stuff. They don't use chemicals on it. And, you know, part of this, he said, is, like, it's given us an identity, a brand play, a, mm-hmm. a point of difference. But it's also trying to, like, exhibit this message that this team is doing extremely well. And it's fair to say that they look notably fitter than those around <laughs> him because he's they put, they put this uh, system in place. And it's just... more and more you're starting to see clubs and they may admittedly be on the extreme end of the set uh, of the spectrum but i think it speaks to a general sort of awareness about like different ideas that are floating around soccer right now and it's funny because i don't think that what maybe 10 15 years ago there would have been this much attention paid to things like that right the conversation seems to have really shifted recently into not just about what athletes put into their body, but about how it impacts the environment as well. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like, I think, um, you know, I think just the average American too has become more um, more aware of like the, the, the line between them and like the impact it's having on the environment. And yeah, and you're starting to see this. Um, if a club like Forest Green Rovers is coming along and saying, hey, we need to make sure we're a leader in this space mm-hmm. um there's clear that speaks to a outside of all the health benefits mm-hmm. there, there's a commercial advantage to doing that right like yeah. they want to be seen as like this is a this is a growing um mindset among among our fans um, and we want to take advantage of that commercially um and make sure that we are you know not just sending a right message but we are sort of reflecting our fan bases uh sort of values and uh- I would be surprised to see this ever catch on in the NHL. I don't think it will. Like, I don't think they're there yet. Um, But there are other athletes, a couple of other names that I was actually really surprised to to hear were either vegan or at some point had been vegan. Um, Lewis Hamilton, which I did not expect at all. It's interesting, too, because when you're a Formula One driver, there is no... Like, I mean, it, the Formula One fans are going to be so mad at me for saying this, but <laughs> there is no, like, athleticism in the sense of a soccer player. Wait, right? wait, but you do, isn't the, the speed of the car, like, you have to control that. You do have to have a decent amount of upper body strength. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, you need to have upper body strength. You right. need to have endurance skill, like, all kinds of stuff. But I'm saying, like, you're not running around eight mm-hmm. miles, you know, like... Um, but but I bet he's doing it not just for the physical benefits, but also for the mental benefits, right? Like you yeah. need to be sharp as a knife when you're behind the right. <laughs> and and this is something that's helping him. I mean, he just won the Formula One title um, in part because because of this new lifestyle that he's adopted. And and I read that he said he apparently told the BBC that a huge part of it was also the environmental factor. So it's great for his body and it's great for his mental agility. Um, but he's also incredibly conscious about uh, what impact that he's having on the environment, which is good considering that he like drives a race car for a living. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make up for it. One, his, like, yeah, one less cow eaten at a time. Um, one caprese sandwich at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Lewis Hamilton. Uh, the other name that I was surprised to read about was Venus Williams. 
interesting. Yeah, it so it says that apparently I don't know if she still is, but at some point she was on a plant based diet because it helped with an autoimmune disease. And you know the amount of strength, stamina, agility you need to be a tennis player is is huge. Um, so it makes me feel actually if I ever felt inadequate about being vegetarian, like I'm like, all right, if Venus can do it, it's totally fine. Yeah, and and you sort of think too that the margins at professional sports are so thin. Like, it always amazes me. Every now and again, you'll see somebody who, you know, it's, let's just say a quarterback who looks awesome, mm-hmm. um, like unstoppable, and sure, he's getting old, but he looks better than ever. And then he comes back the next year not looking quite as sharp, and his stats just plummet. And he looks borderline, like, not capable enough to be in this league anymore mm-hmm. because the margins are just that thin. Like, And so when we're sort of bringing it back to... Venus, if we think that if she thought um, that, you know, this is actually making it harder for me to win in a sport and in a in a in an industry where the margins are thin enough as it is, she wouldn't do it. No, you know? she clearly thinks this is a benefit to her bottom line, I guess, yeah. is my central point. Yeah, I mean, I think we've advocated for it pretty well. And you're you're now uh, proselytizing about changing your diet and <laughs> giving up meat even a couple of times a day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Twice a week is my thing. I'd like to get it down to like once a week is my next, which which I don't think will be hard to do. I guess the next challenge um, for you specifically, but for us will be seeing if we can get Ted Berg's meat countdown. Oh, God, will- <laughs> that's never going to happen. <laughs> Ted. Um, that will almost signal the end coming, I think, if yeah. it does. Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay off on the meat sandwiches a bit. Oh, gosh, I, I could never see that. I, I don't even think that it's worth um, trying to convert Ted, right? You see, if you're proselytizing about things, like, you can, you can see who you got a chance with. Ted is not one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Unapologetically one of those guys. Of course. Uh, all right, Luke, this has been awesome. Uh, thanks for hanging out, and I'm glad that you and I finally got to share some podcasting space. I know. I, I appreciate the time, Helen. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next week. Good.